0: good morning this is the daily office morning prayer with me and you i'm Jacob. the usual disclaimer is that i am not in any way an extra qualified person i don't um, have any degrees in theology i am not a clergy person of any sort i'm just a regular person but that's i believe what the daily office was for is for regular people And I think it's amazing that we join our voices together. And you might think I'm a little nuts, but I really do believe that it is a connective and powerful religious experience to join our voices in a liturgy that at any given time someone somewhere in the world is saying with us. Um, Many people, I would say, as it were, and I believe that these words hold the echoes of angels, as it were. So with that being said, we're going to um, start our morning prayer in the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer on page 76. Today is Friday, the 1st of March, and today is actually designated in the calendar as a World Day of Prayer. So how appropriate that we are all here together at this time. Our Psalms this morning are Psalms 140 and 142. The rest of our readings are Ruth 3, 1-18, 2 Corinthians 4, 1-12, and Matthew 5, 38-48. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The Confession of Sin on page 79. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. The earth is the Lord's, for he made it. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us sing to the Lord. And kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. The earth is the Lord's, for he made it. Come, let us adore him. Psalm 140. Deliver me, O Lord, from evildoers. Protect me from those who are violent, who plan evil things in their minds and stir up up wars continually. They make their tongue sharp as a snake's and under their lips is the venom of vipers. Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who have planned my downfall. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me and with cords they have spread a net. Along the road they have set snares for me. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear, O Lord, to the voice of my supplications. O Lord, my Lord, my strong deliverer, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plot. Those who surround me lift up their heads. Let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall on them. Let them be flung into pits no more to rise. Do not let the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil speedily hunt down the violent. I know that the Lord maintains the cause of the needy and executes justice for the poor. Surely the righteousness shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall live in your presence. Psalm 142. With my voice I cry to the Lord. With my voice, I make supplication to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit is faint, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look on my right hand and see. There is no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for me. I cry to you, O Lord, I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Save me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Ruth, chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, whose young women, you, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and when he was in a contented mood, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. You have not gone after young men, rather poor or rich, and now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, for the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. But now, though it is true that I am a near kinsman, there is another kinsman more closely related than I. Remain this night, and in the morning, if he will act as next of kin for you, good. Let him do it. If he is not willing to act as next of kin for you, then, as the Lord lives, I will act as next of kin for you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but he got up before one person could recognize another, for he said, it must not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Then he said, bring the cloak you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her back. Then he went into the city. She came to her mother-in-law, who said, how did things go with you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, He gave me these six measures of barley, for he said, Do not go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Canticle 10. Seek the Lord while he wills to be found. Call upon him when he draws near. A reading from Second Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for we do not proclaim ourselves we proclaim Jesus Christ is lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus sake for it is the god who said let light shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake, so that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Canticle 18 on page 93. Splendor and honor and kingly power are yours by right, O Lord our God. For you created everything that is, and by your will they were created and have their being, and yours by right, O Lamb that was slain. For with your blood you have redeemed for God from every family, language, people, and nation, a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And so to him who sits upon the throne and to Christ the Lamb, be worship and praise, dominion and splendor, forever and forevermore. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to anyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us say together the Apostles' Creed, beginning on page 96. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Suffrages Set A, at the bottom of the same page, 97. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. Now is the time when we pause for personal prayers. I'd like to do that first. And then I have some thoughts on our readings, particularly on our gospel reading. It aligns very closely with another book that I have been reading lately that I've been talking to you guys about, too. So let's. Let's pause at this time and let's pray for those who are on our lists and in our hearts. I will lift up my folks by name silently and then also pray some communal prayers. Dear God, I pray that peace pervades at all levels of our communities, in our homes, in our schools, in our streets. in our political conversations and diplomatic meetings. God, there is a shortage of compassion and understanding in our human hearts today. And so we ask that you help us plant the seeds within us, give us the want to, to want to understand each other, to work together toward a common goal. Help us meet, Lord, Not necessarily or not just in the middle, but help us meet each other right where we are in the moment and move forward together as one community, your people, created for your good purpose. In your holy name, I pray. All right, so what I want to talk about at the moment is what. The author of The Powers That Be, Theology for a New Millennium, Walter Wink, calls Jesus third way. I'm trying to think about how to summarize it because I don't want to be reading 10 pages of another book to you on the podcast. Um, Okay, we'll just start out this way. So this is chapter 5 of his book, and I'll read to you the beginning and then I'll try to... Try to summarize. Many otherwise devout Christians simply dismiss Jesus' teachings about nonviolence out of hand as impractical impractical idealism. And with good reason, turn the other cheek has come to imply a passive, doormat-like quality that has made the Christian way seem cowardly and complicit in the face of injustice. Resist not evil seems to break the back of all opposition to evil and to counsel submission. Going the second mile has become a platitude, meaning nothing more than extend yourself and appears to encourage collaboration with the oppressor. Jesus' teaching, viewed this way, is impractical, masochistic, and even suicidal, an invitation to bullies and spouse batters to wipe up the floor with their supine Christian victims. Jesus never displayed that kind of passivity. Whatever the source of the misunderstanding, such distortions are clearly neither in Jesus nor his teaching, which in context is one of the most revolutionary political statements ever uttered. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, take the, turn the other also." And if anyone wants to sue you and take your cloak, coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. This is our reading from this morning, and this happened to be what I was reading in this book just yesterday, um, actually over the last couple of days. So I, I figured that that was for a reason, and I wanted to tell you guys about it. So basically what um, Wink says is that Uh, the traditional interpretation as non-resistance to evil is incorrect, that the gospel, the way he puts it is, the gospel does not teach non-resistance to evil. Jesus counsels resistance, but without violence. And he goes over the Greek translation of the words and um, insists that it means that we shall not resist violently, revolt or rebel to engage in an armed insurrection. And he, he goes over the words used and, and how the words have been translated and interpreted. So I recommend you all go read this book in this section if you'd like to know more about it, because I can't get into the entire thing right now. But um, I'll I'll read you some some more pieces here. Jesus is not telling us to submit to evil, but to refuse to oppose it on its own terms. So what he's saying here is that we don't do evil things to those who have done evil to us in order to resist it, that we resist a different way, what Wink calls the third way. And and he talks about turning the other cheek, not being an offering of the other cheek to be hit but a resistance Um, it's an act of defiance because only equals fought with fists at that time so the way that this is written it's written it the crowd would know that Jesus is talking about somebody being backhanded which is what you would do to a servant or to a slave and that is the audience to whom he's speaking so when he says turning the other cheek I'll read this part to you from page one o two by turning the cheek, the servant makes it impossible for the master to use the back hand again. His nose is in the way, and anyway, it's like telling a joke twice if it didn't work the first time, it simply won't work. The left cheek now offers a perfect target for a blow with the right fist, but only equals fought with fists, as we know from Jewish sources, and the last thing the master wishes to do is to establish this underling's equality. This act of defiance renders the master incapable of asserting his dominance in this relationship. He can have the slave beaten, but he can no longer cow him. By turning the cheek, then, the inferior is saying, I'm a human being just like you. I refuse to be humiliated any longer. I am your equal. I am a child of God. I won't take it anymore. So Jesus is telling us, to stand up for ourselves. He's not telling us to be doormats. He's not telling us that we cannot speak up or to take a stand against evil. He is saying that there is a third way to do it. Um, Oh, and here's a bit about the third way from page 103. actually, let's start on 102. How different this is from the usual view that this passage teaches us to turn the other cheek so our batterer can simply clobber us again. How often that interpretation has been fed to battered wives and children, and it was never what Jesus intended in the least. To such victims, he advises, stand up for yourselves, defy your masters, assert your humanity, but don't answer the oppressor in kind. Find a new third way that is neither cowardly submission nor violent reprisal. He goes on to say that if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well, is is actually talking about stripping naked in the debtor's court, which was more embarrassing to the debtor than it was to the pauper who would have been brought there, and that it was an unmasking. It's a very interesting interpretation. It was an unmasking of the unfair system And then that going the second mile, uh, the Roman soldiers were not allowed to force the Jewish people to carry their baggage for more than one mile. And so it would be a real inversion to offer to carry a second mile. I'll read you this section from page 107. Imagine, then, the soldier's surprise when at the next mile marker he reluctantly reaches to assume his pack and the civilian says, oh no, let me carry it another mile. Why would he want to do that? What is he up to? Normally soldiers have to coerce people to carry their packs, but this Jew does so cheerfully and will not stop. Is this a provocation? Is he insulting the legionnaire's strength, being kind, trying to get him disciplined for seeming to violate the rules of impressment? Will this civilian file a complaint create trouble from a situation of servile impressment the oppressed have once more seized the initiative they have taken back the power of choice they have thrown the soldier off balance by depriving him of the predictability of his victim's response He has never dealt with such a problem before now he must make a decision for which nothing in his previous experience has prepared him if he has enjoyed feeling superior to the vanquished he will not enjoy it today Imagine a Roman infantryman pleading with a Jew to give back his pack. The humor of this scene may have escaped us, but it could scarcely have been lost on Jesus' hearers, who must have been delighted at the prospect of thus discomfitting their oppressors. He goes on to say, I'm skipping a couple pages here on page 109, to those whose lifelong pattern has been to cringe before their masters, Jesus offers a way to liberate themselves from servile actions and a servile mentality. And he asserts that they can do this before there is a revolution. There is no need to wait until Rome is defeated, peasants have land, or slaves are freed. They can begin to behave with dignity and recovered humanity now, even under the unchanged conditions of the old order. Jesus' sense of divine immediacy has social implications. The reign of God is already breaking into the world, and it comes not as an imposition from on high, but as the leaven slowly causing the dough to rise. Jesus' teaching on nonviolence is thus integral to his proclamation of the dawning of the reign of God. Here indeed was a way to resist the powers that be without being made over into their likeness. So this is very empowering to me, and I hope to others, for a couple of reasons. One is that this section taken also with the oft-misinterpreted section of yesterday's reading from Matthew 5, where it says that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery, which was actually a section originally intended to protect women who were being really bought and sold and treated just like slaves and then discarded by their husbands. So that, along with some other passages, was intended to protect women from being discarded and having then no resources and no means of survival unless someone took mercy on them. Mm -hmm. But that passage, along with this passage that we just read, with the turn the other cheek, is often misinterpreted and, and given to battered wives. And it was given to me when I was a battered wife as... A biblical reason that I could not leave my abusive husband and that hurt man when you can't find compassion in the church when the church is telling you that that it is biblical to be a doormat and endure the abuse and that it is unbiblical and you will be outcast if you stand up for yourself and remove yourself from that situation I can really see how people leave religion and leave God. And to be offered a third way, I think, is a wonderful thing. And I think, at first I was like, I'm not totally sure, because that doesn't really seem in context, because Matthew goes on to talk about loving those who don't love you, loving your enemies, and how is, you know, if, if what we're really talking about here is... Passionate but non violent and very creative resistance, how is that loving our enemies? And I think that that's the answer. We are loving our enemies by not giving them back the evil that they gave to us, by demonstrating with our actions a third way of standing up for what is right and true and standing against what is abusive and evil. And I think that just as Jesus told the disenfranchised and disempowered people in his audience how to do this, and i I hope I think I don't know the historical epilogue <laughs> that some of them did, and we can do that now too. We are empowered, we don't have to wait for a regime change. This word is just as applicable to us today who feel frightened and disempowered and abused by those in authority in our lives, whether that be in our homes or our government or our workplaces, wherever it is. There is a third way, Jesus' third way, that doesn't condone the abuse and the oppression and that kind of brings me to our Old Testament reading which man I'm struggling with readings today huh I'm just it's like I'm fighting with the word here or fighting to understand the word would be a better way to say it um our reading from Ruth where Ruth is dependent on Boaz that, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way this morning reading it that you know Ruth is sneaking in and and laying down at the feet or I mean his feet is often a euphemism for genitals in the bible laying down on his parts I mean it's clear that there was no sexual act between them I think that's clear maybe even that's not clear but she's sneaking in and and going someplace that normally I'm I'm not totally sure about this I, I do think though that God can work through other people like All saving grace, the source of everything we truly need, really is God. But God can act through other people. And so maybe this is an example of God acting within the structure currently in place. Maybe not every act of grace and salvation is tearing down all that is wrong in the world. So, maybe God acted through Boaz in the unfair and misogynistic culture that existed at that time and place for Ruth. I would, I personally, in my fleshly heart, would much, much rather see God lift Ruth up and empower her without the help of Boaz or any other man. That's kind of my feminist feeling of the moment. But I think that I can allow myself to see that God doesn't always turn every, sometimes he does turn everything upside down, but he doesn't always. And sometimes he works with what we've got. And there are times when we are thankful for that. And there are times when we don't understand that. And so maybe this is one of those times when maybe I don't quite see it, but I sure am glad that God did get Ruth and Boaz together and and on down the family line until Jesus, right? Today is David's day, I believe, in the calendar. And and so I I'm looking at that biblical line. And whenever I think of David, too, I think of how gracious God is to forgive us and to use us even when we think that we're unusable. David did some awful things but over the measure of his life I believe that he moved us, humanity closer to God and God didn't give up on him even when he screwed up really badly God used that to grow him and to grow us and that's not accepting or excusing anything that David did or we did, but saying that it doesn't make us lost causes. So in summary, I pray, dear God, that we find the third way, that we treat our enemies, that we give our enemies love, that even when we are handed abuse, we give back love. And I am thankful that that doesn't mean submission or acquiescence or giving ourselves or others up to abuses, that there is a way that we can stand up and stand fast and stand strong against abuse and violence and evil in a way that is loving and giving back better than we're given and modeling a different and, I believe, better way. Open our eyes to see those opportunities, to see a way to do things differently than we have done before, to see that there is not just an equal and opposite reaction, but that there is something unexpected and strongly gracious, gracious in a way of strength that can be done. Help us to see and help us to act. Amen. All right, um, I'm not going to go into all the rest of the readings. Obviously, there's a lot I feel like I could say today. Thank you for bearing with me. Let's begin our closing with the general thanksgiving on page 101. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We live without fear, for our Creator has made you holy, has always protected you, and loves you as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road. And may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.